Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Now, it's Gabe time. Gabe Kuhn. Gabe Kuhn was one of the great little trivial nuggets in all football bios. His grandfather was the inventor of the Easy Bake Oven. Like a boss. The best lineman on the radio. Well, the only lineman on the radio. It's Gabe time. Game time. We're ready. The Gabe Kuhn Show. 92.9 FM ESPN. A pre-Friday show. It is Thursday, February 29th. It is Leap Day. How about that? Good old Leap Day 2024. And it is time for the Gabe Kuhn Show. Welcome in. I am your host, former Memphis Tiger offensive lineman, Gabe Kuhn on X at G underscore Kuhn 71. I'm alongside the executive producer of the Gabe Kuhn Show. That'd be Connor Dunning on X at C Dunning 929. Connor, what's the word, man? How are you? I'm all for rebranding Thursday as pre-Friday. Pre-Friday? Just yeah. pre-Friday. Yeah, it's Friday's also... Friday's Eve? It's also... Doom 2 Eve. Oh, gosh. I'm le- I'm 24 hours away from being insufferable because I will be three hours away from seeing the movie. Are they going to be selling the popcorn bucket? bucket? I they, admit, uh, I'm not sure. That's a good collection. I, I don't know if Malco. The worm, I'm, the worm mouth. I assume Malco has it. I don't know for sure, but I'll be able to re- report back on Monday because I'm telling you, if they have it, I'm buying it. I have to. I have to buy it. I have to. Although it, it is not, if you've seen it, it is really not the best way to consume popcorn, right? It has other uses. Yeah. It has other uses. It's a collectible. That's all. That's all. Oh, God, you're nasty. You are disgusting, Connor Dunning. Extra butter. My gosh. Hey, you want to tell the people about you know, you know, a flat tire this morning? Oh, yeah. I'm fine. Oh, that stinks. 
You got it switched though. Oh, we're good. You got the donut on there. You're going <laughs> to drive it. Oh, no. We're, we're all good. Taken okay. care of. Good. Good. I'm glad to hear that. Now, we have three hours of talk on the way, courtesy of 92.9 FM ESPN. And yours truly, I'll open on the Grizzlies losing to the Timberwolves, 110 to 101. I've seen stuff out there about Jaron Jackson Jr. again today. How? How? How, how is that a reality? How are people talking about Jaron in any negative light after watching that game last night? Career-high 13 rebounds, 33 points. We'll get to all that. Um, but I have a bigger takeaway, and it doesn't have to do with the Grizzlies about that game last night. It has to do with the Timberwolves, the team they're playing, the team that took sole possession of number one in the Western Conference with that win. Now, they're a half game up on the, on the Thunder, and I know we don't operate on half games, but they did take sole possession of the Western Conference. But how much do I trust them? I will answer that question, and Connor and I will discuss it here in just a moment. Tigers will visit ECU, visit East Carolina. They're 14-13, and 13, um, and it's not a very good East Carolina team, and they haven't been very good on their home floor. Tigers are four-point favorites. We will discuss that one. And also, uh, at about 6 o'clock, and that's when the game's going to start. We're going to bring on Jason Muntz from the Commercial Appeal to talk about the Tigers, their trajectory, the American Athletic Conference, uh, you know, in totality, because it's a strange, it's a strange reality right now in, uh, in the American Athletic Conference. You have South Florida at the top, 25th in the AP poll, but 85th in the net. You have FAU with three tough games left. Uh, they have to deal with Tulane, then go on the road against North Texas before returning home for the season finale. Uh, when when they're going to host Memphis, that's going to be a tough stretch for them. And they're sort of they're they're it's a close shave. It's a close shave. I think it's a two bid league, the American Athletic Conference. But your guess is as good as mine about how all this shakes out and who actually gets on top for the and gets the auto bid. Because I think this year it is wide, wide open. Also, we have the Tiger football schedule that got released today. Um, I've seen a lot of people, and this is going to be copy and paste as long as they're in the American Athletic Conference, a lot of people talk about how weak the schedule is and the teams they're playing. They can only play what's on their, on their schedule. But also, to me, this is not a weak schedule. This is, this is actually going to be really hard. You get some of the toughest games on the road. You have to end the year on the road on uh, Turkey Day, on Thanksgiving, dealing with Tulane. That's not going to be an easy game by any stretch of the imagination. Everybody says, okay, Florida State and then nothing else. It is not going to be the easiest schedule for this Tigers team. Now, I think they have the guys to go make it happen, and they have the, you know, they're probably going to be picked in the preseason to win the AAC. But this is, you know, on the surface, yeah, the teams they play are not all that fun, and you don't, you know, latch on to tr- the Troys of the world, the Middle Tennessees of the world. I get that. But this schedule is not as easy as people are trying to make it out to be. We'll also talk about the 14-team college football playoff. You saw this, Connor? Unfortunately. We didn't, we didn't ask for it. Nobody asked for it. No one asked it. for it, and they just want more money, and I get it. But now they're doing, they have a 3-3-2-2-1. That is the parameters. Those are the parameters of the 14-team scenario. Now, we don't know if that's actually going to happen because we still haven't even seen the 12-team playoff play out. But uh, we're going to see that this year, and then we'll see if they go to 14. I'll explain what 3-3-2-2-1 means. It's, it's a little too, too complicated to explain right off the top of the show. Now, uh, also, I talked about Jason at 6 o'clock, talked some Tiger basketball. We'll bring on Jeff Calkins at 5 o'clock as well from the Daily Memphian and the Jeff Calkins show. Now, the Grizzlies, uh, you know what? They started up 14 to nothing <laughs> last night, and they gave the, the effort 
that, that we've seen from this sort of decimated team uh, as of late. Now, we, we thought after that game uh, earlier this week against the Nets where they lost 111-86, to you didn't know what it was going to look like on the road against the Timberwolves, but they definitely brought it. Um, they're just not good enough. They lo- they lost one ten to one hundred one. Anthony Edwards took off at the end um, and sort of ran away with the thing. Uh, but I've seen a lot about Jaron today, and and I know he did not play a good game against the Nets. It was his worst game of the season. He was two for twelve from the field. Uh, didn't rebound overly well. But last night was a phenomenal Jaron game. He had nineteen and ten at half. When have we seen that? That is not common. Now he absolutely he has the Timberwolves number. He gets after the Timberwolves. But the amount of, of mismatches he's exploiting, finishing over Rudy Gobert, uh, taking as many threes, may, maybe 10 threes. I don't want to see him do that night tonight, but he was open for the most part from out there. Um, he finished with 33, 13 rebounds, which is a career high, one assist, 11 for 23 from the field. He had three steals and one block. There should be no discussion about Jaron Jackson Jr. and what he may not have done last night. He did everything he could. And I, I, I really like to see one thing that has been a positive from this year is seeing Jaron Jackson Jr. have to assert himself on the offensive end. And you can just see the growth. I know that the field goal percentage is down compared to last year, which it was a career high last year from the field. Um, but the amount of shots he has to take, the amount of offensive onus he has to take for this entire team, I think that will help the, him and this team in the long run. Yeah, it's Jaron's play this year has been one of the bright spots in a very dark season, along with Gigi Jackson, Vince Williams Jr., and a few other things. But he's been phenomenal. He's been phenomenal, and he was great last night. It's one of the best games of his career. He had a career-high 13 rebounds, which is great, especially after some conversations were had about his rebounding. He clearly heard them and went out and tried to prove a point, and he did it against a team that has two very talented big men and he, he who are really good team, at rebounding. He did, he did it against a team that he, he usually gets manhandled by Rudy Gobert. He out-rebounded him last Jaron is becoming one of the hardest one-on-one matchups in the NBA. We've already seen that he's one of the best ISO scorers in the league. But guys trying to defend him one-on-one are having to foul him a lot more. And I don't know if you've noticed, he's starting to get to the free throw line at a huge clip, which is very positive moving forward for the Grizzlies. His, His defense, he stepped up last night. He's very good defensively. I know he had five fouls, and people have been giving him gripe for a play that happened with one fifteen left in the game, what are we doing? What yeah. are y'all doing? Yeah, it, it just—it's it, silly. It doesn't make sense to really That's break down silly. these games and worry. He about. had 33, 13, three steals and a block last night. Right. Hey, it wasn't his fault they lost. Okay, he's out there <laughs> with a bunch of much. ten days and G League guys and fringe NBA players, other than Vince Williams Jr. and, and Santi right now and Gigi. What else do you want from him? Yeah. I, it's driving me crazy, all these conversations we're having about Jaron Jackson Jr. after every single game. Yeah. The dude's played phenomenal this year, all right? He's playing at an all-NBA level. He's probably not going to make it just because they're not winning enough games, but he's playing at an all-NBA level. I don't understand why we have to do this retrospective on Jaron's career every single time the Grizzlies lose a game. What do you all expect right now? Do you expect <laughs> him to go out and beat the Timberwolves? There's nothing If you do, do, I have some stuff to sell you. Yeah. It's yeah. getting ridiculous at this point. Jaron has been putting on – he's put this team on his back this year. He has gone out, been a professional – 
tried his ass off every single game. He's improving on the offensive end. He's still dominant on the defensive end. What else do you want from him? And He's getting better with rebounding. One thing I respect about Jaron, man, with everything that's gone on around him in this franchise, he has played 54 of 59 games. He yes. hasn't complained once. He Not never one time. sits out. He has been a consummate professional this year, and he's playing good ball. It's just it's strange, all the all these different things that get discussed. Now, going into the offseason, I think, again, you're going to have to get a big to play alongside him. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, last night, seeing him rebound the way he did, that was an overwhelming plus. You know, if we, if we sort of rewind to what he did against the Nets, it was kind of ugly. He was not rebounding at a high level, and he, that's not necessarily what he's known for. But getting 13-10 at halftime, that— uh, he put 33 on Rudy Gobert and Carl Anthony Towns. It was phenomenal. And we're criticizing it was today. It was phenomenal. Now, I thought it was a good GG game last night. Solid GG um, game. 14 points, 5 for 7 from the, the field, 2 for 4 from 3. He took one from like, oh my God, from just about half court and knocked it down, uh, one of those threes. Um, but one thing I'm noticing about him, as the games go along, he's starting to do this against good defensive teams. He started to do it against legit NBA professionals, um, against the best team in the West last night, uh, off the bench, 14 points in 26 minutes. And the more he gets involved with the offense, the more touches he gets, you're starting to see him be able to attack the rim and actually finish. He had a couple of finishes over Rudy Gobert that I thought had no chance, but he gets in there and he and he's making it happen. It's not just uh, you know lighting it up from the three point line, although he has done that. He is now getting off the bounce, creating for himself, getting into the lane, and making it really hard for other 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 teams to to defend him. And yeah. that's fun. And he's still doing it within the flow of the offense. Only took seven shots last night. The efficiency was was something that I I definitely covet and I I, I hold pretty high. Yeah, it, it's. The Gigi Jackson, you know, watch is continues to be fun. He's going to have games every once in a while like we had. You know, recently he's had a couple where have been, you know, he's looked like a 19-year-old. But last night was the Gigi Jackson that you hope can be a part of this Grizzlies team next year and be a big part of that rotation. A guy coming off the bench, he can give you 20-plus minutes, 25-plus minutes, give you solid scoring, hit a couple of threes. And he continues to evolve his game and improve it, which is, I think, the encouraging sign is that he didn't get in here, pop off, and say, okay, I'm good, I'm in the NBA. I mean, we we played that interview he had with Kelsey. This is a young man who seems like he understands the moment, he understands the opportunity that he has, and he understands how much hard work it's going to take to continue to improve. Because he said, you know, the first couple practices he had with the Grizzlies, he was like, oh, my God. These guys are way better than I am. I'm not even close. And he got into the lab and he went to work. He's been working on his shot this season. We're absolutely seeing the fruits of that come to life right now. So I am really excited to see what Gigi Jackson could be. We've talked about it many a time, but I'm not sure we know what his ceiling necessarily looks like right now. I really like your Michael Porter Jr. comp for what he could possibly be next year and how they weaponize him on a healthy Grizzlies team. But watching him be able to move his body in the paint, take that contact from a guy like Rudy Gobert and still finish over him at 19 years old, it can't, you can't help but get excited as a Grizzlies fan watching that. Yeah, now I, I want to do some truth-telling okay. uh, about Jake LaRavia. And I've done some <laughs> truth-telling about Jake LaRavia in the past. Yeah. Um, he, he doesn't have it. Um, I think that much is very clear. Now they're going to continue to run him out there and give him minutes because he was a first— round pick. He was a 19th overall pick. Like, I understand that, and I think they should do that to see if he has any sticking power, although I have been leaning for a long time, if not already there, that he's not going to be able to stick on this team or stick in the NBA. But I put a, I put a, a tweet out yesterday, and like, I, I remember growing up and coaches always telling me, 
you know, I'm never going to ask you to do anything you're not capable of. You are capable of doing these things when you have a bad game. I, I believe in you. You can do these things. I'm not going to ask you to do anything you're not capable of. If Taylor Jenkins and this staff is saying that to Jake LaRavia about guarding regular, actual NBA players, they're lying to him. He has no foot speed to keep up with anybody on the perimeter. And it just it, it brings me back. I got somebody to res- somebody responded um, to my tweet last night, and they said, like, what did they actually see from him? And, like, I guess if you go back to him out of Wake Forest and you see, okay, he's got the three ball. Um, he could be sort of a Swiss Army knife. He was good with uh, rotating the ball. He wasn't like a, a guy who put up a whole bunch of shots. He was usually efficient at Wake Forest. But the lack of athleticism is nuts. It's nuts. It feels like something you could have had some foresight on. And I know it's a miss. I've counted it as a miss. But to see him and the actual athleticism he has next to real NBA players, it's just uncanny the, 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 the deficit he's working with every single night. He's not only a traffic co- Like, I don't even know what type of player he can really guard in this league. P.J. Tucker. I I don't know who he can guard. He gets blown by. He sees dribble moves, and he's just moving everywhere. He's mesmerized. Yeah, because he knows he doesn't have the foot speed to keep up. You almost feel bad for the guy when he's on the defensive end. Now, offensively, I guess the thought process still is that he has a three ball and he can do a little bit on the offensive end. But the biggest thing for me and the reason that I have been out on Jake LaRavia continues to come to light it's that he is just a negative athlete in a league full of athletes. I, that's the biggest re- You can't teach someone athleticism. And if you're not going to be uh, athletic, you're going to have to do the Duncan Robinson impression and just knock down 45% from three, which he's not shown that he's capable of. And I hate that I'm saying this and it feels like I'm going after the kid, but damn, man, there, there just comes a point where you have to be real with yourself about this guy ever sticking in the NBA, and I just, it, it's not there. The athleticism of this league is way too big. He is at so much of a deficit, I can't see him ever making that up. He's 23 years old. He wasn't some young guy when he was drafted. He didn't have some uh, tremendous upside because he was 19 years old. He doesn't have it now. I don't think he'll ever have it. Yeah, it, it's especially in a game where – Gigi Jackson's playing the way he did, and credit where credit is due. Zaire Williams, man, yeah, he has put well. together four games in a row that have been pretty damn good. Pretty damn good. I like you. You love to see it, Zaire. Just get that consistency together. But it's very clear that Jake Laravia has a long way to go before he can even be considered part of a contending rotation. And I don't know if that's ever going to be a thing. I, I've said it for a while. I don't think that Jacob LaRavia doesn't have a shot ever in the NBA. I just think that the Grizzlies may have been the wrong place for him to get drafted. It was a miss by the Grizzlies. They they reached to go get him. It didn't make, you know, I think the idea was, oh, they might be able to find a Mike Miller-type dude here. But in reality, let me finish, let me right, finish, let right, me finish. Right, okay. In reality, Mike Miller was amazing in college. He was amazing in college. And he was tremendous in his rookie season. Jake LaRavia never really showed signs of that. I understand the thought process there, but 
I just I don't think that this is the right spot for him. He is being asked to be better than he has the ability to be right now, especially defensively. He does not fit in to this rotation because he is such a minus defensively. And at the end of the day, if you brought in a guy to be a shooter, he's got to shoot. And he's just not shooting. He's not shooting the ball when they throw it to him. And when he does shoot, he's missing. So what is he giving you right now? He had five boards last night, great. But he also had many blown assignments. They were using him as a turnstile. He was a traffic cone out there. And ultimately, right now, he's hurting the team way more than he's helping them. And I understand that right now these these games don't necessarily matter and you need the Jake LaRavia shameless minutes to figure out what he really is. But the more and more we've seen of him, I just continue to question if he's ever going to be able to put it together. He has moments in games where you're like, oh, okay, I see it. I see why why they took a shot on him. But ultimately, with the rise of Gigi, the rise of Vince, and Zaire playing better right now, I just don't see a path forward to where Jake is a part of this team as a contender or even part of the rotation. He might still be on the end of the bench, but there's just no reason to see him playing with a contending team right now. And like you said, he's really far away from being that, and it ultimately comes down to his athleticism. He does not have the speed to keep up with these guys, and what's hurting him too is that he's just in the wrong spots a lot. He's getting lost defensively. It's not just his athleticism. He's just being – he's lost most of the time. I mean, in a game last night where – I mean, he was minus 17. Just go look at the plus minus, and when when all of us were watching the game, you texted me. You were like, he's getting – blown off the court by some and, of these and guys. And this is why I kind of feel bad. Like, that's why I mentioned feeling bad is he's being asked to do things on the defense That he end, cannot do. That he cannot do, and I don't know if he'll ever be able to do them. Like, I, you can be out. Like, we've talked about Zaire and this wing rotation and, like, the guys that they've taken shots on, Zaire and Jake LaRavia most notably now that David Roddy's traded. You could be out on both of them. I, I Like, that's fine with me. Right. I, I'm not going to talk you out of that. But at least with Zaire, there's a semblance of an athlete there who could grow into something, and he's young. You know what I mean? Like, I just, with Jake, it's just, it's so far gone and so far lost on me that the Grizzlies didn't sort of see the shortcomings he could have as an athlete when he's coming out of Wake Forest. It's just, it's tough. It's tough. Now, I don't want to keep piling on him. Um but I do want to pile on the, uh, the the Timberwolves. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink... What you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. 
Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. I know that they're at the top of the Western Conference. Here's my other truth from last night. Timberwolves aren't ready to win for real. I don't think so either. They're just, they just have a lot of uh, dumb A in them. They just have a lot of dummy in them. They, they make stupid mistakes. I think that they have a well-balanced, uh, for the most part, a decently well-balanced roster. Their, their bench is pretty solid. I like Nikhil Alexander-Walker. Nas Reed's great. The addition of Monte Morris makes sense in theory. But they just don't. They don't put teams away, and they just play with their food constantly. They have the talent. They just don't bring it night to night. And once you get into a playoff situation where you're um, you know, dealing with good teams, back-to-back nights, and having to play uh, you know, constantly, I, this team's just not consistent enough to me night to night. They've won a lot of games. They're 42-17. and 17, I understand that. But when you watch them night to night, it just does not look like a team that is to be taken serious. They remind me of the Grizzlies from a few years ago where they were showing all the signs of being a contending team. But when it came down to it and you got into the playoffs, they just weren't ready yet. Right. And I think that's where they are right now. The interesting thing for the Timberwolves, though, is the contract situation. They are going to have to be into the luxury tax soon. Yeah, And they're going to have to make some tough decisions about their bench players, specifically Nas Reed, about how much money that dude's going to get because he's tremendous. I'm just putting it out there. I wouldn't hate if the Grizzlies made a, made a phone call. Hey, <laughs> right. hey, we need a starting center. Nas Reed is a tremendous player, and they're going to have to pay him. So it's going to get interesting for the Timberwolves if they aren't able to put it together fully this year moving forward. I think they're a very talented team. Very talented team. I love watching Anthony Edwards play. But this is now the second Grizzlies game in a row. Second, it's two out of three or the second one in a row where they've had to – they were playing around with the Grizzlies, a, a poor team that just didn't have the roster. It was Jaron and Vince basically leading the team. And they had to have an Anthony Edwards big fourth quarter yeah. to put him away. This is now the second time we've seen it. Yeah. You can't do that in the playoffs. You do that against the Lakers in the playoffs, you're screwed. And I st- you do that against the Mavs, you're screwed. You do that against, like, teams that have NBA, NBA rosters right now, right. they wouldn't be able to do that against. They have way too many mistakes when they're out there. Carl Anthony Towns is, you know, he's having a much better season. He's still a, a huge wild card, though. Yeah. Some nights he just doesn't have it, and it's weird, and you don't know where he fits in defensively. I'm going to be curious if Rudy's able to stay on the floor in the playoffs. Nas Reed's going to get a huge run for them. I think they're an extremely talented team. I wouldn't be shocked to see if they were it, it made it to the Western Conference Finals, but just something about watching them. I just don't think they're ready yet. There's, yeah. I, I'm not sure they have the we can beat anybody on any given night thing yet. I get the sense too that there's still some like 
Carl Anthony Towns and his fit with this team now that Anthony Edwards is that superstar, like is the face of that franchise, there's still some strife, it feels like. He still wants to put up a whole bunch of shots. He still wants to be offensively, uh, you know, one of the, the main guys. And it's just, it's just, you can tell there's just a little bit something off with the, the team dynamic with Carl Anthony Towns in there constantly. And that's, you know, you, talk, you bring up Nas Reed and like putting feelers out for him. I wonder what Carl Anthony Towns' like future looks like with this team, because I just I, you have Rudy Gobert, you have the guy uh, you know who defensively is going to be phenomenal. He's a former Defensive Player of the Year. He can set screens, he can be your big, he can rebound at the highest of levels. Carl Anthony Towns, you bring up, he's a wild card. I just wonder, I wonder how this is all going to fit with his contract and everything else. He seems like the guy who may have to be on the chopping block for this team going into the future. And I, I don't necessarily ma- think it makes them better if he's not on this team. Like, I think they would be a worse team not having Carl Anthony Towns in the fold. They you know, surprise, 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 he's an all-star. I understand that. But he's just – there's something about him. He wants to just be an offensive player night to night, and I don't know if that's going to jive with a whole bunch of playoff success going into the future. It's going to be fascinating because they have nights where they put it fully together and you're just like, oh my God, are they the best team in the NBA? And then they have times like last night where they look like they just don't care. And it's just going to be curious to see which team shows up in the playoffs because the only thing that worries me about them is, you know, I love Mike. I love Mike Conley. He should not be as important to that team as he is. Yeah, He is so important to them. Nikhil Alexander-Walker is so important to that team and the things that he does defensively. They just They have a few more holes, I think, than people realize and we've just been able to see it up close recently and they haven't been able to put away a jaron jackson jr team with rookies g league guys and 10 day guys they it's been a battle and they've struggled offensively against that those teams so i'm just curious to see what it's going to look like in the playoffs because i think that anthony edwards absolutely is ready for the moment i'm just not sure if the rest of the team is put together in a way that makes them a true number one in the west you know what i mean like they feel like right now they might just be built to be that regular season team that beats down on people. When it, but when it comes down to crunch time in the playoffs, the way that they run their teams right now in the regular season, I just don't know if it's gonna that, that rotation is gonna have to look completely different. These yeah. teams are going to try to play either Rudy or Cat off the floor. Yes, that's going two to happen. Bigs constantly on the floor at the same time that are not as fleet of foot around the perimeter as you need them to be. And I remember Rudy a few years ago when he, they played the Clippers when he was on the Jazz. He got played off the floor by Terrence Mann because they went to a small ball lineup. Like, yeah, play off just, the floor against the Grizzlies. Yeah, it's just it's 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 a strange dynamic. We'll see how it all plays out. Now uh, the Grizzlies coming up tomorrow and also on Saturday they're going to pl- be playing the Trailblazers at home. Two straight games. That's a team that they could chase to the bottom, right? I think they have a five game head start. They're they're five games ahead of the Trailblazers. But if they lose two. In a row to the Trailblazers, they can make up some ground. How about that? I guess that's something I, I'll be paying attention to over the weekend. Trailblazers haven't won a basketball game in a very long time. Yeah. You, want, you want you know who their last win was against? Who? The Bucks. <laughs> that makes no sense. <laughs> that is absolutely ridiculous. They beat the 76ers and the Bucks back to back, and then they've just they've lost one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine in a row. <laughs> that's great. That's great. Good numbers. And right now, Scoot Henderson's out, DeAndre Ayton's day to day. Moses Brown's out. They're, they've got a lot of injuries. So it's one of those where it's like, oh, the Grizzlies might win this game. But then you're like, oh, do you want them to win this game? Yeah, yeah. Scoot, Scoot is a – this has been kind of a – I don't want to go full. It's been, to me, 
based on expectations and what he is supposed to be with Damian Lillard out of Portland, it's been kind of nightmarish. No. The, that's inju- not the injuries. That's, it has not been the injuries. Game. He's that been is, really far too he's been, he's been really bad from three offensive. He's been turning the ball over, and I understand he's young, but it has not been a good rookie year for him. This was it's guy been who's an supposed okay to be right. Really? Yes, it's been I, an okay man. rookie year. Go look at his stats. It's been an okay rookie year. It has yeah. not. It has not been the rookie of the year that you expected. He he certainly has not lived up to the expectation that you thought he could be. But he's having a fine rookie year for an NBA point guard. Yeah. He's still twenty years old. He is 20 30, years old. 30, I, I get it. I understand he that. He put up 37 and a half percent, couple games ago. 37.5% from the field. Turnovers are way up. I mean, 4.7 assists at three turnovers per game. It's just been – I mean, he looks like a rookie. It's he been looks okay. like a rookie, and we didn't quite expect him to be the guy that's looking like a rookie. <laughs> it hasn't been nightmarish, but it hasn't been great. <laughs> but, and then the injury concerns and everything else, we'll see. We'll see. Um, now, the Tigers play ECU here at 6 o'clock. It'll be at ECU, and, uh, you know, the truth of this game is um, I am of the opinion that the Tigers should be able to handle business. I am of the opinion that they should be able to handle business. East Carolina is not a good team. They're 14-13. and 13. They don't shoot the three ball well. They turn the ball over a fair amount. They do cause turnovers. I think they're top 50 in the country. They cause about 13 turnovers per game. So both these teams are, are right there in that, that causing uh, opponents 13, 13 turnovers per game. Um, but – you know, as much as I feel the Tigers as a four-point favorite should be able to handle business, this is the type of game that has got them in the position they're in right now. On the road against an inferior opponent, they've lost games like this. So, like, I, I can't just sit here and, and go sunshine and rainbows. I think, I think they should handle business, but the reason that they are in the position they're in right now is because they haven't handled business in these situations time in and time out. Yeah, it's it's another one of those games where the Tigers are clearly the more talented team, and it's going to come down to effort, rotation, and defensive scheme. I think is that's ultimately going to be what it is. It's the same kind of plan that we've been talking about the last few games. And East Carolina is one of those teams where they're they're definitely middling and not one of the better teams in the conference. But they have beaten UTSA, they've beaten Wichita, they've beaten Tulane. You know, they've made it a battle with some of the better teams in the conference. So they're not not anything that you can look past. You've got to take care of business against them. They're going to make it difficult. They're way more of a defensive-oriented team than offensive. And like you said, they're going to try to force turnovers. And unfortunately for the Tigers, one of the major issues of the season for them has been turnovers. But right. if they come out and they play like they did the last two games, they should be okay. But here's my thought. And this, is, this has been the last two games. They won by 24 against Charlotte at home. Then they beat FAU by four. At home, and they only had, what, five or six turnovers right, in that right. Atlanta game. Since Penny has said he's scripted the game and he's putting more offensive sets in, Javon Quinterly, the last two games, 12 assists to two turnovers. Now, I know that the inconsistencies have been there all year, but I think it's been clear the last two games with more, you know, organization on the offensive end, mm-hmm. Javon Quinterly has not had to, you know, guess where guys are going to be at. He, he he has more understanding of the situation, and hopefully that, that bleeds into tonight. Absolutely. I mean, just having more offensive plays to run 
It, they're, you're, they're not doing as much hero iso ball. So it's, yeah. it's, there's far less turnovers, far fewer turnovers, because you're not having guys try to go one-on-one, and then they're going into two bodies, and the ball gets knocked away. Mm-hmm. I mean, like even David, David Jones has been a, a source of a lot of those turnovers, despite how great he has been this season for the Tigers. But a lot of that has been because he's getting the ball at the end of a shot clock, and he goes try to make something happen, and he either throws the ball away trying to kick it out, or he just gets loose. And you're just not having to see as many of those plays because they're getting much better shots, because they're playing together on the offensive end and on the defensive end. So hopefully you see that tonight. I have no reason to think that it's not going to continue. It seems like everything is thumbs up right now as far as team chemistry goes and game plan. So I just, I, we say it every single time. We're going to kind of know how this game's going to go within the first five or six minutes because it's going to be about the rotations, it's going to be about their effort, and it's going to be about the defensive scheme. Yep, and, and, and I think they found comfort in this game plan, right? It's about, um, you know, more offensive sets, Penny scripting the game, and then defensively picking people up at half court, not overextending, not having to make up ground constantly. Now, we are live from the Service Master by Cornerstone studios, and I need to tell you about Service Master by Cornerstone. When disaster strikes, they are your local hometown responder. They're the largest franchise in a 600-mile radius, but they're not just the largest, they're the best. They've been awarded Service Master's Franchise of the Year Award, meaning they're the number one Service Master Store franchise in the United States of America. You could have frozen pipes, you could have bursted pipes, you could have water damage from a, from a faulty water heater, you could have storm damage, um, you could need mold remediation. You could have a fire and have smoke damage in your house, uh, at a school, at an office building, at any residential property you own. If any of these things happen, give Service Master by Cornerstone a call. Tyler is the president and owner of Service Master, um, but he and his team are here to help you at moments like this. Their motto is a great one. It is, we don't pray for disaster, we just pray we get called when there is one. So remember that name, locally owned, locally operated, Service Master by Cornerstone. And their number it's very simple to remember because what did I say? They're responders. So they respond in your time of need. That's their number. 901 Respond, 901 R E S P O N D, 901 Respond for Service Master by Cornerstone. Now we need to go ahead and grab a break. And on the other side, we do have a Tiger football schedule to talk through. How about that? We'll give you the ins and outs of that and what I think about this team heading into 2024. That's next. Guests appear on the Smile Center Hotline. Now back to the Gabe Kuhn Show, live from the Service Master by Cornerstone Studios on 92.9 FM ESPN. Back in on the Gabe Kuhn Show, 92.9 FM ESPN. Now, Tiger football, the schedule has officially been... Released. I'll go ahead and roll through it real quick. North Alabama will be the opening game on August 31st. Then after that, it'll be home-home. Troy will be on September 7th. Then there's going to be two road games, Florida State and Navy, uh, in back-to-back weeks. Then right after that, you return home from Middle Tennessee State. Uh, you'll get a bye week. Then you will go on the road against South Florida uh, before returning home for two more games, North Texas and Charlotte. Uh, on the road at UTSA, then Rice and UAB at home before they head out to New Orleans on Thanksgiving, on Thanksgiving for a season finale on the road. Again, on the road. There are three games that will not be Saturday games. South Florida will be on Friday. That will be on October 11th. Um, Rice is a is a Friday game, and uh, Rice will be on November the 8th. And then, of course, that, that Thanksgiving Day game um, will be a Thursday game on the road in New Orleans against Tulane. Now, I I think a lot of people look at the schedule and just look at the names, and they say, oh, you know, this is an easy schedule, should be easily manageable. If they really want to get 
through and be in a 12-team playoff and be the group of five representative, it should be relatively easy. Now, I look at it a little bit differently because I know how these things work and I know how road games can be a lot harder. Now, I know that you know in the first three games, uh, you're going to have North Alabama and then Troy. Troy is it just lost their, their head coach, John Sumrall. He went to Tulane because Willie Fritz went to Houston. They have a, a new coach, Gerard Parker, uh, who was the offensive coordinator at Notre Dame. Um, but the thing with Troy is, yeah, I know they were 11-3 and three a year ago, and they're a decent um, group of five team. But when you look at sort of uh, what, what they're going to have to leave behind and, and move into, they have a new coach. Gunnar Watson was a sixth-year quarterback that they had last year, 27 TDs to 6 INTs. They're going to have to replace him. So they're in a rebuilding situation. So those first two games are relatively easy. easy. But then you're going to have to go on the road against Florida State, and that could be a very interesting one. I'm not going to rule out uh, the Tigers going in there and at least having a shot and keeping it close. But DJU, Mike Norvell, um, that team probably uh, very frustrated that they were not able to get into the college football playoff last year. I, I understand they're going to have to replace a whole lot and replenish a whole lot, but Mike Norvell does a good job in the transfer portal, and he does a good job in recruiting. So you can bet that that team is going to be ready to play and going to be a good team. Um, that Navy game on the road, that's always tricky. I know that Navy is not a good team. I understand that. But I have played on the road at that stadium. It's gray. It's dull. It's tough to play in. You have the cadets over there. You have the people over in the stands. They're just yelling at you. They're on top of you. It could be a tough game. Um, now, one thing that really you know gets to me about this schedule that I think people that are saying it's easy are, are neglecting to see. Their road games are the toughest games of the year. Florida State, Navy, South Florida, UTSA with Jeff Trailer still. I know they have to move on from Frank Harris and find a new quarterback, but they'll probably do that. And then Tulane to end the year. Those are all your road games. Those are tough road games, and they're very tough to manage. South Florida, people will you know look at it and say, you know, South Florida was only 7-6. and six. They won their first bowl game in year one under Alex Golish. They won it, uh, the first one since 2017. They are on the up and up, and they are looking a whole lot better. And Alex Golish can coach some offense. Going on the road to South Florida in October is not going to be easy. Uh, going to UTSA, we know how that's, that, that place is. Um, you're dealing with the Alamo. Those people love that program. And they've done a good job of recruiting. Jeff Trailer is a high-paid coach in the group of five. They are going to have it already. And the Tulane is the team to beat outside of Memphis in the AAC this year. As much as you say, okay, oh, you're playing the uh, Troy and... Middle Tennessee and Charlotte, North Texas and UTSA. Like, you look at these names and they don't jump off the page to you. But these road games are very hard. Your toughest games of the year, you're going on the road to play. Now, if it, when it comes to college football playoff aspirations and potentially getting in as the uh, group of five representative, I think that they can afford one loss. That loss probably being to Florida State. If you want to get into a 12-team playoff, you are not going to be able to lose another game. You can't lose a game in conference if you want to be the group of five representative. It's that simple. And I know on the, on the surface, looking at the names of these teams, you feel like, okay, they should be able to run the table in conference. Tulane is a little bit different because they're going to have a new head coach. Um, South Florida, yeah, they were decent last year. They won seven games for the first time in a while, and they won a bowl game for the first time in a while. But how ready are they to take that next step? UTSA is losing Frank Harris Jr. 
But playing those games on the road, I cannot stress to you enough, is going to be the hardest part of managing this schedule. May I ask you two unfair questions to put you on the spot with right now? Okay. Okay. Based upon this schedule, do you expect them to go undefeated outside of Florida State, and do you think they'll be in the college football playoff? No. It's, it's, it's Do you think it's a fair expectation? We'll see. We'll see. And here's the thing. After that Florida State game, I think we'll have some answers. Some, some, that Navy game freaks me out. We'll, we'll have some answers. I can't. But my, my initial I'm thought. I'm sorry. My, my, my real thought here is getting out of South Florida, UTSA, and Tulane on the road unscathed seems like a really, really tough thing to do. UTSA is very hard to play at. And then Tulane, even when I was at uh, – at the University of Memphis playing at Tulane, we struggled even with teams that were under 500 at Tulane before Willie Fritz got it going there. It's always a tough place to play. In that new stadium, it's not that big, so they pack it out generally every single weekend and every every home game. Like I, It's just hard for me to imagine them going unscathed between South Florida, UTSA, and Tulane on the road. Even with the recruiting that they have and the guys that they have coming back? I, again, like... Uh, <laughs> I I think they've done a better job than most at keeping their roster together. You still have Rock Taylor. You still have Demir Blankamsey. You still have Seth Hennigan. You still have guys. I get that. And they've done a decent job on paper in the transfer portal with the Mario Anderson Jr. You know, addition at the running back position from South Carolina where you were you know, going back and forth with Oklahoma and USC and he picks Memphis. I- After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com understand what they have but in the end of the day with transfer portal additions and we see this in the basketball realm as well i have to see it play out first sure these are rental guys these are guys that come in that don't necessarily know your culture you don't know how they're going to fit into your schemes you have to make them fit in you'll have spring ball and you'll have a fall camp to do that but i i i have trouble basing my entire thought process on this team by just saying, oh, they had a great transfer portal class. I don't know what that class is actually going to look like when they hit the field. So what do you think is a fair expectation for wins next year? Because I think, when I look at it, I'm kind of like, I think 10 and 2 is I think 10, two, 10 and 2. 10 and 2 is what you, well, 9 and 3 is the acceptable one. I think 10 you and think 2. So? I think 10 and 2 is what you what you should be at the very Should be. You, you should, should be, be yeah. 10 and 2. Um, if, you, if you are what you say you are, if you want to be in a bigger conference, if you want to be a college football playoff team, yeah, you just have to you have to buck up. 
You can't be letting teams back into games like they did against North Texas last year, like right. they did against several teams. They have to learn how to win and put teams away. And I thought they did a better job of that last year, but still there's, there's some shortcomings there. I think they're the most talented team in conference. I'll tell you that right now. But talent has to meet planning and preparation. And we'll see how that all plays out. But people are talking about the schedule, just looking at names and, you know, Saying it's it's not a good or, or not a not a hard schedule. Those road games are the ones you need to circle and pay attention to the most. Florida State, Navy, South Florida, UTSA, Tulane, all on the road. That is not easy. That's one of the toughest road schedules for any team in the AAC, from what I have seen so far. My immediate reaction when it came out was, "Oh my God, they have Navy the week after Florida State. That sucks. Yes. <laughs> that, that that is absolutely brutal to have that next Navy game because it is one Navy. where you fear the emotional low. But it's <laughs> just know, it's you Navy. Know this, You're like, oh my here's, God, here's my just annoying. Thing. Yeah, that's the other thing about this, Connor. People always talk about when Navy is placed. It's like a copy-and-paste conversation every year. It's like, oh, you have to play Navy, and then you have a short week, or yada, yada, yada. You have them right com- coming out of the bye, whatever. There's never a good time to play Navy. It's just such a wrench in the – it's just such a glitch in the system that you just – it's never fun to play against a triple option team, have people diving at your defender's legs. Like, you never want And that. I swear it's always the worst weather possible. <laughs> Well, going to Navy in September, dealing with Annapolis in September, it'll probably be rainy and dull and gray. Like it now, I will is. tell you the first. My second thought when I saw this was that's a twelve and zero Memphis Tiger team on NCAA. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm bringing the heat. I cannot I wait. It. I love it. I cannot wait for that game. And seeing like schedules come out just makes my excitement for it go through the roof. So the twelve team playoff will be involved in NCAA twenty five, but by the time we get to twenty six and twenty seven, we may be at a fourteen team. Well playoff. remember, we, if reports are correct from last week, we are going to be able to set it you you can do you can you can manipulate the playoff as you want. So I think you might be able to add to it or take away based upon what we've heard, but that might be just be a rumor. Yeah. Now fourteen team playoff discussion is here and it's been thrown thrown about by the college football playoff committee. Now I know right now we're at the 5-7 for the 12-team for the, uh, playoff. So five of the top-rated, um, according to the college football playoff rankings, the five top-rated conference champions get in, and then you have seven at-larges. The 14-team is substantially different. And this sort of tells me that the Big Ten and the SEC looked at the 12-team playoff, and they want to have it their way at least a little bit more. Yeah, they're going to give access to the group of five still, but they want more access for their conferences. And, and they have not worked through all the fine details of this, but it's a 3-3-2-2-1 setup. So three automatic qualifiers to each of the Big Ten and the SEC. So they get three teams in, no matter what. Automatically qualify three teams for the Big Ten, three teams from the SEC. For the Big 12 and the ACC, the other two conferences, and we know we have a space between the Big Ten and the SEC and then the Big 12 and the ACC, they get two automatic qualifiers each. So two will be in from the Big 12 and the ACC. And then they give one automatic qualifier still to the group of five, the highest-rated group of five conference champion. And then they'll only have three at-larges from that point. This is clearly, yeah, they're, they're still giving access to the little guy. But they're trying to give themselves more access. You could end up in a situation where the Big Ten or the SEC have four teams in. Four teams in in a 14-team playoff scenario. Now, again, I... I thought 12 was too much. I was more uh, on for like six or eight. That was what I thought the expansion should have been with access to a group of five team. But 
going for I have to see a 12 play out. I'm fine with 12 now, but the fact that we're already talking about changing it up, going to 14, adding teams, it's just frustrating, man. It's all for for a dollar, it's all for money. Exactly. And, you know, in the end of the day, um the Big 10 and the SEC, I bet if and I've said this the entire time, I've stood by this. If they had it their way with the 12 team playoff, they probably would want 12 at largest. That's what they would probably want, and maybe their conference champion gets an automatic qualifier. But expanding it to 14 has their best interests written all over it. We get three in in the Big Ten and the SEC, and you know those three at-larges likely will lean our way as well. I'd be way more open to it if we watched a 12-team playoff and we said, you know what, this needs some tweaks. It, it, right. it just felt a little bit off, but you absolutely hit the nail on the head. The, the, there's one paragraph in the ESPN story that tells the entire tale. The television side of the deal has already been agreed to in principle. Starting in 2026, ESPN is poised to spend an average of $1.3 billion on the playoff for six seasons. Yes. And that is why you were talking about a 14-team playoff. Yes. That paragraph right there tells the whole story. Yeah, but the thing is, I am of the opinion also, like, you, you expand it from 12 to 14 this quick, how long till we get 16? How long till 20? Like, it just feels like it's going to be a never-ending upping of teams getting involved in the playoff. But we'll see what happens. We'll see. This is not agreed upon. I don't want anybody to think that. But they are talking about it. And uh, based on the reports you're seeing, you see Brett McMurphy all over it. You see Pete Thamel all over it. Uh, you see Nicole Auerbach from The Athletic, Chris Vanini all over it. They would not leak this and talk about this to the media if they were not very dead set on trying to make this happen at some point. So just be ready for that. Be ready for an announcement of an expansion to 14 at some point. I don't know if it's going to be this year, next year, the year after that. Maybe it, it, it will go through this entire um, contract with a 12-team playoff, the six years. Maybe you'll get through that whole thing, and then they'll up at that point. But be ready for it because these things don't leak. Reports don't get written if this is not a real thought and something that they want to do now we need to go ahead and grab a break and on the other side we'll get into hour number two and we start hour number two every single day with jeff calkins he's next t-mobile has invested billions to light up america's largest 5g network from big cities to small towns including right here in yours and great coverage is just the beginning right now families and small businesses can save up to 20 percent versus at&t and verizon when they switch visit your local t-mobile store today Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Oh, oh, oh. 
Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.